Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right, we are in a new series called Worship. And I am excited, as you might guess if you know me, because I, um, I, I have a particular fascination with worship. Um, and so I don't want to over, uh, overthink this series. I don't, I don't want us to become over-theological about this series, because here's what happens. Whenever we talk about something uncomfortable in the Bible, human beings have an insanely good way of beginning to over-theologicalize, yes, I made that word up, over-theologicalize everything so that they have the excuse of not doing the very basic thing that Jesus said. Now, this has been going on for many years. When Jesus shared the parable of the uh, Good Samaritan, he got responses like, well, who is my neighbor? Like, let's, let's take something simple like love your neighbor, help your neighbor, be a good person um, in, in the same way that you want to be treated well. And the question, the theological minds of the day want to start the conversation with, well, who is my neighbor? Today we're talking about worship, not who is your neighbor. And um, I want us to not try to overthink or over-justify any part. We are, uh, I think we're, we're pretty far removed from the lack of knowledge about worship in our church. I think our church has a culture of worship. I think our church has a, uh, a culture even that is not just worship in posture or attitude or heart in day-to-day life, but specifically in praising and singing. Uh, you know, we, 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 have, we have a good vibe with those things. We have a biblical vibe. We believe in Davidic worship. Um, and we can talk about uh, that a little more uh, in the future. Again, I don't want to get too theological about some of these things. But I think that we need to recognize as we start today with this very simple message that the concept of worship is not known by most people outside of this church. I think you all have family members who have no idea. If you say, we had a great worship service at church, they will look at you like you were from another planet. Because what is worship? And on that, no, that's a great way to start this message, isn't it? What is worship? Well, Psalm 95 verse 6 says this, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Now, it goes on to give a why we should worship, but we're not talking about the why at this point. We're simply talking about the what is. What is worship? And this verse actually contains in the Hebrew both parts, the word and the definition, because the word worship is shaka in Hebrew. And that word shakah means to bow, bow yourself down, to crouch, to kneel, to fall down flat, to, to become humble, to become reverent, to prostrate yourself, lay yourself out. That's the primitive root of that word, to depress yourself. Now, not depresses in terms of like your mental state, but I mean to get low, to bend yourself low, crouch, fall down flat, humbly beseech, um, obeisance. I don't even know what that word means, and I forgot to look it up. To do with reverence, to stoop, that is what it means in Hebrew to worship. And we actually talk about this almost every single week, don't we? We do. We talk about what? I I close every sermon 
with the message of the cross. And the message of the cross requires us to do something with Jesus. And what is the something? That we bend our will to him. We bend our will to him. If bowing our knees is the literal act of worship, how much more is the bending of our will the ultimate act of worship? We are required to bend our will, to follow Jesus. The simple reality of following Jesus is in itself an act of worship. But there's so much more to that. It requires that we bend, that we bend our will, that we bow our own desire to his, that we make our desires lower than his desires. So the act of following Jesus is in itself an act of worship. Very simple, right? Have I lost anyone yet? Okay, I I don't think we will. Um, The book of John, so that's the Old Testament. The New Testament, let me give you an example. John 4.22, Jesus is talking to a woman at a well. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So this word worship in the New Testament is most of, by far, most often, uh, proskuneo. And all of these times, in, this, in these uh, 22 to 24, those verses, every single time you are dealing with this same word, proskuneo. Um, and it is, it is from two different words in the Greek. Let me break this down for you. Which The first being pros, which means towards. And the second, kineo, is to kiss. So, so kiss towards. To do reverence. And it's not like kiss like in whatever teeny bopper show you're watching. That's not quite the right idea. But it's actually the, the, la- the language that scholars agree on, they're trying to bring across in the biblical context, is like a dog licking its master's hand. Isn't that exciting? How many kids are excited that God says you should worship and the specific way you should worship is like a dog licking his master's hand? Now, I know that's kind of awkward and probably the mature among us today are like, I'm not doing that. Well, right away, that's where our problem begins with worship in the church today is whenever you say, when the Bible says do something and you're like, well, I'm not. This is where all of our problems are, guys. I'm not, I'm not telling you something that is suggested. I'm telling you the words of Jesus said, the kind of worshiper that the Father seeks are the ones who worship in spirit and in truth, worship like a dog licking his master's hand, kissing him. Now, I don't know if you all have dogs or not, but we recently had a lot of dogs, a lot of dogs, 11 of them at once. A mommy dog, a daddy dog, and nine puppy dogs. And, and those, those dogs have, have pretty much all gone to their new homes. And we're getting awesome pictures back. And, and there's one dog that's helping a little boy with his physiotherapy. And it's so nice. But, you know, there's something amazing about dogs, isn't there? Now, you cat people, just be patient for a while. I don't think cats are involved in worship at all. Just <laughs> biblically, I don't see it. But... Um, 
But isn't there something amazing about a dog? I mean, it's just so simple. It's so simple, it's almost painful, right? A dog is, he's a dog. She's a dog. And if you throw them a bone or a piece of meat, they start salivating, and they start, they start, they, they might even start growling, you know, not really angry, but like, oh, that's my bone, I want it, I'm going to come get it. And they get all excited, they might bark, and they might start running around in circles, and, 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 and when they start licking on that bone or that piece of meat, it is purely from a carnivorous mindset, is it not? But here's what's amazing that happens, that dog that, that licks rather violently, when it comes to uh, food, all of a sudden a switch goes off in the dog's brain when he sees his master. And I don't know if you notice this, but, but especially with, with some of the larger breed dogs, they're so big, they're, they look intimidating sometimes. But when that switch goes off and they say, oh, master, and they come running up and they get low and the tail comes down and starts to wag, and then there's this kindness in their eyes is they stretch their necks out and they put their nose towards you and then they begin to delicately lick you. Now it's really cute when it's puppies. And we had all these nine puppies. Lots of church kids came out and, and helped socialize these nine puppies. Who got licked by a puppy? Right, Matthias? Was, was the puppy nice when he licked you? Yeah. It's just the most gentle, loving, I mean, it's a creature. But it's amazing to me that this dog that's a carnivore with sharp teeth becomes so gentle and so soft, and it is showing affection, as far as we can tell, based on what it's doing. It is, it is this intimate exchange, all of a sudden, between master and pet. Now, I don't want to go too far down this road and have you thinking that God is saying we are his pets, because we're not. We're actually his livestock. We are the sheep of his pasture, all right? <laughs> But, but even that, we are, we're his beloved creation. And I think that if we can understand this meaning of worship, if we can, uh, by the end of today's message, get our minds around what God is asking of us. Remember, this is not, this is not a theological um, attempt to try and sway you. This is, hey, God's word says the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. And the Holy Spirit reveals in truth by the word of God that that is like a dog licking its master's hand. And I know that that's uncomfortable for people, but that's not a, that's not a me problem. That's not a Jesus problem. That's a you problem. Because it's what God's word says. And here's the truth. True worship is not about spiritual service anywhere near as much as it is about spiritual affection. In the same way that when you feed a dog, he drools and chews and salivates and uses his tongue one way, when you love a dog, he comes to love you back. You see, spiritual, truthful worship is about where our affections are. This is why the commandments of the Old Testament help us to understand where we are to place our affections. You will love the Lord your God. God literally says if you want life to go well with you, you're going to learn where to place your affections. We do it with our own children. We say son, daughter, by their name. We call them from the time they're born. We begin to look into their eyes. We begin to hold them. And we show them what affection is so that they can receive affection from us. So that they can one day return affection to us. Because affection is the nature of relationship. Worship 
is about spiritual affection. There is a place where worship is categorically corporate. And I'll give you an example. The day, uh, for instance, when it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord above the earth and in the earth and below the earth to the glory of God the Father. It's Philippians 2, 9 to 11, if you want to look it up later. That's a place of, of, of creation-wide corporate Worship, a corporate bending of the knee, bending of the will, bending of the emotions, bending of the mind to say, yeah, okay, the Bible was right all along. Jesus is Lord. But there's something more valuable for you and I than the promise that one day every knee will bow, that everyone will bow, that every created thing will bow in worship to Jesus Christ. And that thing that's more valuable is the invitation that Jesus makes for us to worship that is far more personal and far more intimate. The invitation to worship in spirit and in truth. You know, you might be one of the people that gets hung up on this. And I do hear it in our church from time to time. And so while I would never address someone individually in a public setting, there are enough people that we've had this conversation with over the years in our church that I believe it's fitting to address it corporately. And so maybe you're one of the people who's stuck on the issue of worship because if you're willing to be honest with yourself and honest with me, it's actually just feeling too intimate for your comfort. That moment where we stand in the presence of God and we let the song of the Lord come out. That moment when the band plays and we all are just waiting. I know that that makes some people uncomfortable. I know that it makes some people feel awkward. I know that if you're brand spanking new to church, you've never walked into a church like this before. It is, it is something entirely different. But can I just ask you a really straightforward question this morning? Why would you come if it was always the same? I mean, why would you leave your life in the world to follow Jesus if it meant everything was going to be the same? Why? The fact is, is that you wouldn't. The reality is that you come to church, you come to the presence of God in the hopes that something in your life will become different than it was. And the reason why we love to worship God, the reason why we show spiritual affection to the one who made us is not only because he requires it throughout his word, but it's because it brings us to a place of intimacy with him. And although at times it's frightening, although at times we don't know what it's going to look like or feel like it, it is always worth it when he shows up. It's always worth it when he walks into the room. It's always worth it when his presence is tangibly felt by his people. And you see, the worship, that act of spiritual intimacy is what draws us near to God. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And I know there's sometimes people who say, I, I believe that the Bible says that, but you do nothing to draw near. And you wonder why you feel far from God. You see, worship is a key to spiritual intimacy with God. It is. And I, and I could argue the doctrines of Scripture with you. But to me, it is pointless. 
God's advice to us in these situations when we don't know how to take him, when we're not too sure what to do with him, is taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste it. See it. Try it. Don't knock it. See what happens if you close your eyes and raise your hands. See what happens if you, if you pant and lick the master's hand and say, rah, 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 rah. That sounded like I said, I love you, Gord, almost. But it was, I love you, Lord. You see, we take ourselves so seriously, we don't, we don't ever want to be the dog, do we? But it's the word picture God uses. So you're stuck on it because, oh, you're stuck on it because it's difficult. It's, it's too infinite. It makes me uncomfortable. Can I just tell you that the Bible insists that that is who God is looking for? If you want to be found by God, if you want to be known by God, wouldn't it make sense that we do it his way rather than our own way? The Father is seeking worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. Maybe you're one of the people who gets stuck on this issue and you don't even know it, but you're stuck on the issue of worship because you love the sound and the sensation more than the one we worship. See, this, this has to be part of understanding it, a definition of worship for us as a church. We have to understand this exists too. I, I live on the edge of this every week. Enjoying the sound, enjoying the sensation more than the one I came to worship. We have a tendency as human beings to do that, you know, to start singing. And we're like, you know, we're, whatever we're singing. I love you, Lord. Man, I sound pretty good right now. It's all about you, Jesus, but a tiny bit about how awesome I sound right now. You know, it's all in your own mind because really out loud, probably what most people are hearing is pitchy and, and weird and uh, quivery. I don't know. See, it, it, this is the fine line. It doesn't matter, but it does because when man looks on the outside, we always need to remember that God is looking at our heart. And when we come to worship, it can be a tragic hang-up for you and I because we come and we say, oh, the band was so good. You know, I'm worshiping you, Jesus. But, man, these guys should record something. Have you ever, every time I watch Elevation Worship, I get caught in that, honestly. Like that dude with the weird curly hair thing, the, their lead singer guy, I don't even know what his name is. I'm like, man, he's good. But, you know, God is more good. And it's, I'm not saying it's wrong. We should enjoy worshiping God. Just like, just like our dogs enjoy licking our hands and our faces. And they lick all other kinds of horrible things too, just so you know. Dog privates, rotten things, they lick all things. Dogs do. Not that different from you and I, though, if you think about it. Because with the same mouth that we use to worship God, we tear people down. We murder people with words. We destroy people's lives with what we say. So maybe we're not that different from dogs. We can't be caught up in this, in this false God of sounds good. It's got to be okay 
that you don't sing as good as the person next to you, but nonetheless, you're going to lift your voice and you're going to sing. Man, you ain't seen worship until you saw my 80-something-year-old grandfather who only had one arm praising Jesus in church, not necessarily liking the music, but lifting one good hand and one stump in the air. That's worship. You see, it's not about what we like. It's not about what is comfortable for us. It's about trying to worship God in spirit and worship God in truth. And if you try to take it past that very far, very quickly, you're going to become an empty tomb. You're going to be in danger of becoming that doctrinal, that doctrinal dogmatic mind that tries to justify your comforts when Jesus clearly says, this is the way we go. The truth is, is that no one wants to coerce you to do something against your will. Not really even the Holy Spirit. We only do it in as much as we do with our children. We convince them by helping them bend their will because we know what's best for them. And God does it with us. And because God does it with us, he does it with your pastor, and your pastor does it with you. Just like your parents did it with you. Just like you as parents do it for your children. Maybe you're stuck on the issue that you love the sound and the sensation more than the one we came to worship. We need to understand that that is a problem. It's a problem because you can be a person who worships the singing. And, and if, that, if that happens to you, I want you to know this. In love, I want you to know you have entirely missed the mark. And somehow this takes nothing away from our desire to do things with excellence takes nothing away from bringing our best offering to the Lord. It takes nothing away. Just the heart. You see, we have to come back to this basic understanding. Worship of the living God is a holy, it is a sacred, it is a set-apart act of service that we were created for. But it's not merely an act of service. You see, because we were created for it, we will naturally try to do it. And you will never escape this fact. You were created to worship God. All creation was, by the way. The heavens declare the glory of God. His handiwork, everything that he made, sings, screams, shouts to who he is either to his power or his mercy, his justice, his grace, it all screams about its own personal relationship with an attribute of God. All creation does. And you and I, in alignment with all else in creation, were made to worship God. And because of that, our nature is such that we will always worship something. And if not God, it will always be the wrong thing. If we do not worship the one who made us, we cannot, we will not, we will never be able to worship 
the right way. You see, when we're worshiping the wrong thing, we are actually breaking the commandments of God. As individuals, we commit idolatry when we worship the wrong thing. As churches, we commit adultery when we worship the wrong things. As individuals, you commit idolatry when you worship the wrong thing. I said it before, and I'm sure we'll end up saying it again. So many people in our city will spend $85,000 on a pickup truck to impress a person at a red light that they will never, ever meet. Why? That same guy might well come to church, but won't raise his hands, won't sing out loud, won't, won't do that intimate act of worship in the presence of God and his people. As a church, when we get it wrong, as a church, when we sing bad doctrine or even bad theology, when we place the wrong thing as the pinnacle of what we worship, we are committing adultery as the bride of Christ. And that's a grave thing. Now, now I know none of us are rushing out to do that. But unless we choose a life of intentionality when it comes to where we focus our thoughts, where we focus our words, where we focus the song that's in our heart, when we focus our words of affirmation and what we do with them and who we share them with, when we give praise to hockey teams but not to God, there is something morally bankrupt inside of us as followers of Jesus. Morally, there's something missing. I am guilty of committing adultery against Jesus. And so are you. I'm guilty of committing idolatry against the one who created me. And so are you. But here's the amazing thing. God is always looking for those who will worship the right way. Always. And it doesn't matter where you came from this morning. It doesn't matter where you're going after this. God is looking for you to be a worshiper who worships in spirit, a worshiper who worships in truth. And here's the thing. We can ask the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth because Jesus said that's exactly why the Holy Spirit needed to come. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and He will guide you into all truth. Now just let me ask you one last question in this message today. Do you really think it's a coincidence that the same Holy Spirit that Jesus said would guide us into truth, do you think it's a coincidence that the same Jesus says the Father is looking for someone who will worship Him in spirit and in truth? Let me give you the very simple secret to worshiping God by definition, the right way. The Holy Spirit must guide us into what is true. There's actually no mystery to this when we break it down. You see, when the Holy Spirit is whispering in our ear, we become a different kind of brave. We become a different kind of enabled. We become a different level of intense when we really know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And can I just suggest to you this morning 
That the Holy Spirit really wants your attention. That he really does want to have your ear. That he really does want to speak an identity into you. That of a worshiper. That of someone who intimately wants to love God. That of someone who intimately wants to offer a song of praise. Now in the coming weeks, we're going to talk more about this. For the next three weeks after this, in fact. We're going to talk about this. We're going to understand the different roles and the purposes that God has for us in worship. It's actually not just about him needing to feel good. I don't know if I have you still. It's never been about God needing to feel good, just so you know. We are simply created for this purpose. And he loves it. And he might not need it to be who he is, but he does love it. And he desires it. You know why? Because the Bible says that God comes and he inhabits the praises of his people. You see, guys, the, the intimate act of worship is the means by which the presence of God comes and dwells in human tents. I I love that God has no desire to be enshrined in a building, that God has... (laughs) That God has never laid out for himself a grand scheme. And I'm aware of the temple of the Lord that Solomon built. But it was only a temporary measure to set us up for Jesus. I love that God always chooses to dwell in human tents. You see, but, but worship, worship, is the atmosphere in which God inhabits his people. And if we can't worship, we are always going to be hungry and starving for the presence of God. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about how worship is an act of warfare. Worship is an act of deliverance and freedom. Pastor Amy is going to come in just a moment to close the service. And and, and I just want to remind us, because we close every, every Sunday, we, do, we close the same way. With that word, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've heard today? Guys, it's no accident that Jesus said the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. And then that he said, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. The Spirit and truth. The worship and the presence of God. Intimacy and relationship with God. Father, for those who are gathered in this building and those who are gathered at home today, I pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, we ask you today, what do you want me to do with what I've heard? Speak to us now, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.